Hello, everybody. Brian here. Uh, okay, so uh, from quantlabs.net. Okay, it's 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, December 21st. In this video or podcast, I want to talk about what's been performing all of December. Just for you to understand, I can do this every month. I'll be doing this again starting in January, looking at these things daily. And it just, my oh my, how things have changed very quickly based upon what outperforms and what doesn't perform. So again, for three weeks in with December, and it can radically change by the end of the year as well. So right now what I'm looking at uh, for the sectors, because I'm able to use the sectors of the ETFs of nearly a thousand ETFs available on interactive brokers, and then I can break them down as, into subsectors. So what I want to do here is go over which ones performed and maybe why. So the first one here that currently is giving you combined 26% return for this month alone between, again, the 1st of December till now, December 21st, would have given you a 26.7% is semiconductor. Now, it's not semiconductor from the long side it's a semiconductor from the short side there are some semiconductors that are doing well um and that's been a fairly strong uh fairly strong uh sector so the ones i'm looking at that might have some promise is these are all u.s based i'm looking at one called on technologies it's been fairly flat uh, as well. Another one is obviously Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing. That one's been very strong lately. Actually, I'm seeing over five day, one month. It's actually been declining, surprisingly. Uh, let me take a look at the other ones. AMD, that one showed some strength about a month ago. That one's not too, like some strength there a little bit over daily. Five day, it's negative. Monthly, definitely, I could see that negative. Same with a six month view. And one last one is Intel as well. So even though this looks exciting, these are the programs I'm, I'm talking about 26% is not belonging. Okay. That's the thing when you have to understand about ETFs. There's the ones that give you the uh, short side or bearish side with leverage sometimes, as well as those ETFs that will give you short uh, long as well with, with leverage. Usually on the short ones, bearish ones, they can be dangerous, okay? Because the market's not really predictable on which direction is going to go. Specifically at the, at the sector level like this. But if you were to bet shorting, Semiconductors for U.S. specifically, you would be up 26%. Another one that I've been seeing is overseas Europe. Now, I have confirmed, again, again, a lot of the ETFs have been very, very negative. I'd say about 90%, safe to say, for this year. There's a small amount that have been doing fairly well. This one, last time I checked, were longs, actually. Um, Specifically, a lot of these ETFs involve the euro, 
if you've not seen the euro usd it's been fairly strong over the last month i think so that's where a lot of strengths coming in from is the euro whereas for all year the us dollar has been performing pretty good whereas um let me just check up on marketplace here on the euro so this is again the euro usd so if you're a currency trader that that's a good one to have how long it will last i don't know so for example here on market watch what i'm seeing here is uh pretty good three percent uh, sorry eight percent on the three month two percent on the on the one month and five days so if you if you want a nice trade load up on euro usd okay that's a really predictable trade that could be the next big us dollar so that's where a lot of that strength is coming from is from the euro okay so i also have real estate now i gotta really talk about real estate for those that own homes those that own commercial real estate this is more specifically uh regarding real estate in offices or retail a good example that i wrote about was realty income People like the dividend. Let me just check up on that. That's symbol O, just for those that want to know. So O, let's see here. Yeah, Realty Income Corporation. They do like box, box outlet stores, and they they own the property, and then the the uh, retailer will like these are large retail operators that come in and take over. So right now. The stock is up, but let me pull up a five-day. It's negative. One month is negative. Six-month, negative. Uh, pays about, uh, It's one of the higher-paying uh, dividend incomes out there. So if you're into that, this might be a good one to check out. But th this is where I, I, I struggle. Where, why would people want to hold dividend? Whereas uh, an example that I came across was uh, a symbol on for real estate that's done really amazing and still doing really good uh if i'm looking at a one year actually year to date so back in this stock or this this uh corporation so basically it's called texas pacific land corporation tpl i'm looking at february 2022 it was at around a thousand dollars now it's at $2,600. So you would have made 2.6 times over the year if you knew about this stock or this, this, this fund. Basically what this fund is, is I've mentioned this a few times. It's the first time I'm actually publicly talking about this. This one is where the Texas state of Texas and the universities all own land. And there are probably swaths of land. But on that land, they have drilling for fracking, whatever else they're drilling. So they earn a royalty on the land that the uh, state universities are on. And that's why this thing's been really taken off since, uh, as I said, year to date. So it got two, two, like roughly 2.6%. Sorry, 2.6 2 times. So, uh, and again, that's it's like outside of your home playing landlord, it's stupid because I could probably find another opportunity like this uh, in other ways. Um, once the overall real estate market could improve. Right now, this TPL is fairly flat. So will it perform? I don't know. Um, but for this year, it did very strong numbers. 
Whereas you know that interest rates are rising for mortgages and it's on residential now, and that's cooling off. And uh, a lot of the, also for the uh, developers and a good, great example is Blackstone. If you don't know, Blackstone have frozen all redemptions on their funds because they're afraid of some kind of panic because real estate is, at least here, what I'm seeing is tanked. Uh, real estate was, these are shorts now. Some of them are leverage. Uh, and you would have gotten return on the short side of the bear side for ETFs. You would have been up 18, 19%, let's say. You would have done fairly well uh, with those on the shorting and, and bear side. Some of them, I believe, might have some leverage or not. But these, like I said, I'm just talking, talking, uh, short, uh, talking, uh, talking uh, some sectors. Now, if the markets, I do think the markets will take off. I'll, I'll go over that in a minute. Uh, but I'm just giving you the sectors that seem to be doing pretty good. So on the shorting side, just short stocks that are worth shorting. So there are some ETFs that just focus on shorting. And uh, that would have given you 15.5%. Uh, also, there's another one here on SPACs. Great example, SPACs with uh, Trump's, uh, I forget the name of it, World Development or something like that, where, where Trust Social, the website uh, for Trump, that Trump started, uh, that's not doing too good because the SPACs are shorting. So that's where you get the returns again, shorting, bearish. They're not performing well. So I'm giving you, if the markets do tank, and if you're looking for strong place to get returns, these are the type of ETFs you could look at uh, when things go wrong. But the key is you have to stay on top of these because they can flip on you very quickly over a couple of days. And they're very sensitive to the direction of the market based upon uh, what, what their holdings entail. And a lot of them, from what I've seen, these kind of stocks, or sorry, funds, what do we want to call them, assets, instruments, they usually contain swaps of different kinds from big banks, be it Goldman Sachs or whatever. So they, they're very sensitive to the price changes in the market. So be forewarned that, yeah, you got to watch these very tightly. If you don't, you will lose and you'll lose quite a bit. Uh, biotech's a good example of that. And the next uh, next one, these are long. So if you've been watching my webinars, you know that there's been some decent biotech companies. But you, you would have gotten a 5% return if you tried some of those out. So again, uh, if you're only long only, you might want to look into those. NASDAQ is, uh, those are shorting and that would have given you 5%. Treasury, uh, you would have gotten about 1%. There's one uh, ETF I, I know about called, let me just pull up my MotorWave here, the platform, it's EDV. So that I'm going to pull up here. This is Vanguard Extended Duration. This is a good performance, still positive. Five day, yeah, it's negative. Again, because the market, so the one month you would have gotten, so for instance, the ETF here is at 84.39, you would have been up, yeah, 5% at 88 bucks for the EDV. But it did peak all the way up to 94. So everything, 
when it comes to these things, it's all about timing and what the market does and how it impacts these particular sectors. And that's why a lot of people lose money. I'll tell you something as well, just from my own perspective. When I hear portfolio managers going, you know, the markets are down, let's say 20% uh, this week. I'll give you the exact number and we'll just use the uh, S&P 500 as an example. Again, this is from MarketWatch. So this is SPX. You know, for the year we're looking at, wow. So year to date, we're down 18.6%. Yearly, we're down negative 17%. One month, we're down 3.7. Three months, we're up at 2.3. So what I was going to get into was when you hear about these so-called portfolio managers, they're kind of great when you have a first session and you have a market down, let's say down to, remember, this is the standard benchmark, 18%. And they'll sit there and be all happy. You're only down 6%. Meanwhile, I'm up about 15% because I just held the US dollar. But if you want to get maximum optimal return, you this is what, what I'm telling you. You got to know where to go, how to time it, watch it like a hawk. And people go, well, I don't have time to do that. Uh, maybe. But I've talked to numerous people and they're down pretty serious because of that attitude. And it's gonna, it could get worse because we already know that the markets are with a recession. Something like I heard 70% likelihood now. A lot of people are saying. And there could be a major, major correction in the market. I mean, I personally, I think when you're down 18% for the year, year to date, that tells me right in itself is a correction. But what do they define as a correction? So they're expecting a, like a another 20% drop over a certain period of time, like a very week or something. I don't know. But when you look at Bitcoin, I mean, that's, that's a correction. So essentially what I'm trying to tell you is you have to watch this stuff, especially if you're in retirement, because this, that's your job. And I'm basically over the last two years with the stupid virus thing, I've lost a lot of faith in a lot of areas of my life, including obviously government, doctor, and whatever else. And uh, now, if a portfolio manager is another round uh, where a lot of a lot of managers are losing money. Okay, I'm not, and these are managers that I know that are managing hundreds of millions of dollars alone in in Canada. So for for me, um, just to give you an idea, since I've been trying to do the uh, seeking alpha thing since October. You know, I look at my tip ranks.com. I'm at 59% success rate. So that tells me what I'm talking about here in these podcasts in the last week, that's since I started, this process works. Uh, and that's why I have the tip rank. Also with the average return, I'm up now. It's 3.2%. doesn't sound like a lot. But don't forget, you also have to factor in the negative 18.63%. That's for the S&P. So if it's down, and I'm also giving you a positive 3.2%, uh, you'd be, based upon just on my, on my stock picks, you would be up about uh, 21%. So I'm not here to brag, but I mean, I do know there's other... Seeking Alpha writers are doing really, really good. It's 70%, 50%. Um, and uh, 
I'll let you find them because they're next to impossible. I've I've seen on tip rank here out of 16,000, 16 and a half thousand financial bloggers on tip ranks. I saw ones that were hitting number 11. I saw another one that was at number 14. These are top, top, top bloggers. So they know their stuff uh, comparatively. And no, I won't tell you. You know, it's coming back to this stuff. We're now looking at uh, Treasury would have given you 1% for the month. Commodity, uh, commodity gold. Now, these are all the negative ones. Uh, negative 0.19% US uh, S&P. Uh, those ETFs would have given you negative uh, 0.23%. Commodity metals, 078 and everything else I'm going to give you that's negative is overseas Asia, utilities, health, inflation. Okay, let's talk about inflation right now. When I see inflation down, in this case, negative 5%, that's a good thing. Uh, inflation's coming down based on that because those ETFs uh, focus on companies that are good at fighting and at the same time able to give you return on inflation. So let me just finish this off. So Latin America would have given you 7%. Africa, Israel would have given you 7.5% a negative return. And the new new commodity, which is really the solar, you would have been down 16% for the month, just for the month. So coming back to the inflation is very important on where we're going to go into early next year. A couple of things we need to take up, uh, away from what's happening. Everything is driven by two big things right now, and those are uh, U.S. dollar, which is really driven by the Federal Reserve. I think the people at the Federal Reserve are nincompoops. I will tell you, uh, when I was looking at the data going far back, 10 years, but these pricks, they're pricks. What they did was they've had data sets that go all the way back to the 20s, up until 2010, 2015, if you go to the Fred Fed website, with the old data sets, they suddenly stopped them around between 2010 and 2015. And they reset those data sets, renamed them. And the reason why they do that is quite simple. They knew, they knew that uh, this recession, or sorry, the debt, the U.S. debt is so bad, okay, that if they kept those data sets from the 20s, 30s, 60s, it would have looked bad. So they reset them. It's like how you hear about, about um, the, uh, we're going to change the definition of what a recession is. It's to me, it's pretty sick that they do that because on the politics, it makes them look bad. Uh, and that's basically defined by Ben Bernanke, the negative two quarters. I don't think technically we're not in a recession, but if you ask me, Joe, Mary, whoever in the main street trying to go out and shop for uh, food, fill up a car. Yeah, there is a recession now on more and more layoffs happening. Uh, yes, there is a. Uh, uh, recession going on. So I'm pulling up realtimeclock.org. Okay. Oh, uh, what's it called? Real time debt. Let's see here. This is what they call the U.S. national debt clock, real time. Well, let's go through this. So as I said earlier, the Fed, they've, they've, they've changed the definition. Okay. From my perspective, you're looking at a national debt U.S. 
$31.5 trillion. Let, let, me, let me explain something a lot of people may not know, but they blew through uh, $1 trillion in nine months. Okay? Just so you know, up until Obama's time, I think it was around, maybe under Bush, Bush Jr., the reset the debt was around $2 trillion. So over that time since the 40s, we're looking at financing World War II. We're looking at financing Korean War, Vietnam, Vietnam War, and all the other crises in between. And it was only at $2 trillion. Come uh, under Bush, Obama, Clinton, the, that's when you see the national debt took, take off. And uh, now we're sitting at $31 trillion. But here's the problem. A lot of people don't know this. So you can get this information over at the usdebtclock.org, okay? And I'm only going to focus on the U.S. Very important to know this stuff. So U.S. population is set right now at $333 million, okay? So how many of those people are in the workforce right now? And this is current. 158 million are in the workforce. So that's less than half, uh, roughly. And uh, so you have less than half carrying the uh, boat by attacks for the rest of the population, uh, which is over 200 million plus. Well, pretty close to 200 million that are not working. Okay. Un officially unemployed, 6 million. Okay, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, part of the population may be kids. But uh, that's the official numbers of unemployed, but they have here actual unemployed, 10.5 million. Now, U.S. population, once again, let me repeat this, 333 million. But whereas, this is the important one, U.S. income tax payers. Okay, U.S. income tax payers, only 126 million. So you have way less than half the population that's paying tax. Okay, so carrying that 30 trillion dollars, you, you know about the, uh, you will own nothing, you will be happy. This is where we're going. So when you look at the uh, overall, the median income for those that are employed, it's only $36,000, right? So they're expecting the wealthy to pay all of the bulk of that. And uh, it's tax, tax, tax. Um, I could go on about, it's time to leave the West, folks. This is, this is they're going to push and push and push as much as you want. If you can, get the hell out. So right now, apparently, though, okay, here, now this is more, more, more. Wow, this is, this is pretty shocking, actually. So again, $333 million. U.S. retirees at 57 million, U.S. disabled at 9 million. So there's your out of work, uh, out of work population. But Medicare enrollers 64 million, Medicaid 86 million. Okay, so how and where with those type of entitlements? How is it possible to? Uh, it's not sustainable. That's all I can tell you. U.S. millionaires, 22.5 million people. Those on food stamps at 43 million. So for every millionaire, there's pretty, pretty close to, for every millionaire, pretty close to two, one to two are on food stamps recipients. 
Okay, let's continue. So again, U.S. millionaires, 22 million, 22 and a half million living in poverty, 41 million people. So for every millionaires, uh, two, two poor people. Again, this is real time from government sources at usdebtclock.org. This is not BS, right? So here I'm looking at the self-entitlements. Wow, this is scary. Okay, social security liability. $22 million. Sorry, $22 trillion with a $32 trillion debt. Medical, Medicare liability, $34 trillion. Wow. Here's the best one. U.S. unfunded liabilities, $173 trillion. This is not sustainable, folks. They can tax you to death. It's not sustainable. It's, it's, it's basically... The U.S. government is on path to, to destruction, to oblivion. And this is why they're bringing in the CBDCs, as you know. Next up, we have the liability per citizen. This is scary. Wow. So for every person out there, uh, liability per citizen in the U.S., you ready? $519,000. So for every person in the U.S. owes $519,000. That is absolutely freaking insane. All right. So here's the breakdown. Here's the breakdown. Just as a comparison again. Wow. This is wow. 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 All right. So, all right. So manufacturing jobs now 13 million. Manuf that's that's now okay. So back in 2000, you had 17, 17 million manufacturing jobs. So you lost five million jobs, which isn't much. U.S. bankruptcies, 435,000. U.S. foreclosures, 108,000. I've already given the poverty numbers. Sad to say. I can give you a lot on the economics, but I'm not going to do that. I don't know. So coming back to the Federal Reserve, this is why they've basically changed the definition, changed the data to make it look better than it really is. But you can always go over again to the usdebtclock.org. So here is where we lie on these particular sectors. Now, is there a way out? Yes, I think there is a way out. I'm not a uh, expert, but there's lots of countries lining up. Knowing and seeing this, move. Get out of the West. That's all I can tell you. That's what I'll tell you. In terms to grow your own portfolio, I've already talked about two other podcasts, gold ETF versus gold mining. Uh, which was better, silver ETF versus silver mining? When you hear about these people talking about physical gold, uh, I don't know. I think you need gold. Uh, it's not really moved up because, let's put it this way, the price of gold today, you, you could have the same price of gold exactly 10 years ago, okay? So gold has not gone up. Physical gold may go up. But you also have to factor in the cost of gold to hold it, to insure it. That costs you. And uh, I'm not saying paper gold is better, but I personally think it's safer to participate, not in ETFs. I already told you about ETFs, what they hold in terms of the swaps, 
some treasury ETFs to, to, to boost artificially the performance of the ETF when you go under the holdings. So that's the paper stuff you don't want to hold. But you can't tell me 100 years from now that the stock market won't exist. It, it, it will also affect the elite, the wealthy. So the stock market's still going to be around. It has to be around. So what I do suggest for you is to hold um, gold mining companies, knowing how to time those, knowing when to hold certain currencies. So all last year, you would have gotten a 15 17% holding U.S. cash. Now, from what I'm seeing, it looks like the euro's starting to perform as well. Uh, so that's a good trade as well. There's a couple other ones I can look, I can tell you about. Uh, some of the metal and mining companies were doing fairly well, and they they need to stay or stick around, you know, in order to to make to make things, uh, cars, whatever, to keep the economy afloat and keep it running. So those still around. Those are not bad companies to hold too. And there's lots of them that have shown performance. Here's the problem. A lot of people don't like the fact that the stock market is volatile. They don't know which one to go into. And da -da. That's why I built my service of what I've got. So again, if you want to know more about it, just go over to quantlabs.net slash books. I've got, I give some PDFs with some technical tips on some software to help you. But overall, even that might not be enough. But with what I've got, it, 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 it works. I mean, just go over to my, as I said, my tip rank and just put in quant labs research in there. You'll see again, uh, 50 today, today on December 21st, 59%, uh, 59% success rate win ratio. So that's 10 out of 17 transactions made a profit and average return was 3.2% since I've been doing this. and. Um, yeah, uh, so this process works. Um, I will be slowing down my seek and alpha as well. That's another way to measure as well. Same, uh, that's my uh, analyst name on seek and alpha. And one of the reasons why I'm doing more of the podcasts is just, uh, I, I'm not going to get into here, but uh, I, I'm, I may have to slow down my seek and alpha contributions. So the success rate here, I'm looking at three and a half star rating uh, for um, tip ranks. There's 16,500. So out of that, I'm uh, at 4,800. So now I'm close to being in the top 25% out of financial bloggers. And I said 16,000. Uh, also for the experts, I guess, there's 24,600. I'm at eight, eight and a half thousand. So I'm pretty close to being in the top 30%. I've only been doing this since October. And now uh, it's easier for me to do the podcast. So that's just to give you a hint that this process works that I've got to sort of eke out what uh, challenges we face. And it's going to get, I didn't realize these numbers in the US national debt were this, this, this bad, like really, really bad. My intention is to get out as well. I'm born in Britain and, and there's a lot of privileges. I hate using that word. Some people may not like it, but that passport gives you a lot of access to a lot of countries um, that no other citizenship gives you. So I have that as an option. 
And uh, I definitely, I already got my places picked out and uh, I plan to go there. Low tax as well, virtually no tax in these regions. So that's the benefit of that. And if you don't like it, well, hey, you don't like it. Enjoy your uh, national debt that I just went through. It's not going to be pretty. Um, and I don't know how they're going to control this. The future, I hate saying it, even though it's before Christmas, is looking pretty bleak. We'll leave it at that. Anyways, like I said, if you want to know more, go to quantlabs.net slash books. As I said, I'll give a couple of PDFs on some technical trading tools that you can get on Windows and the other stock screener is on anything. On top of, we've got the chat server at quantlabs.info to chat privately, anonymously. It's, 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 it's private, so you can go there as well. Uh, and I'm going to bang out more and more of these podcasts. These are just easier for me to bang out and meet my goal for those that do opt into my email list. Thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just easier. I'm frustrated with friggin' YouTube and Facebook and all them. Anyways, thanks again. We shall talk to you later. Have a good Christmas season and be aware. Yeah. Visit the, the website again. Uh, very important to really visually see how things are looking is usdebtclock.org. And again, my my site, uh, the opt-in for emails at quantlabs.net slash books. All right, we'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Merry Christmas.